follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you this evening? Doing good. Doing good. All right, I'm glad to hear it. We want to thank all of you for joining us for this episode. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of. So the first one is going to be to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners Capital P in Podcast. No spaces and save ten percent off your order. And for our other shout out, we hand it over to Matt. Yeah, uh, my shout out is going to go to the daring man of mystery, the champion of right. He swoops out of the shadows. He owns the night. You know, Shad. Somewhere there's a villain scheming, but his number's up. You know why? Because when why there's trouble, that? you call. Orlando Cologne. <laughs> did you look up the lyrics to that? <laughs> I totally did. I 100% did. Yeah, I don't blame you. Although you would think I would have the committed to memory because I actually do remember the theme song quite there well. There are two openings, though, because there was like the, the shorter opening that they did in syndication and then like the Saturday cartoon <clears throat> had a longer one. Had a second, um, it had a second verse that started with Out of Smoke and Heat of Mist. But yeah. that's all I can remember. So, we want to thank everybody for being here tonight, and if you didn't pick it up for Matt's joke, Brad, who? what are we covering this evening? Well, as we promised last week, because we would have had like a five-hour show, I think, if we had kept talking about about it, we're talking about Darkwing Duck, because I think, I think um, out of all of the cartoons we've done so far, that is the one we felt the most passionate about, and I think it's one we actually all have good memories of, which... Um, I don't think for any of the shows that we've done so far that that's true across the board. Yeah. Except Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, I, I don't, when I think about, like, my favorite cartoon shows of all time, like, there's a lot of heavy, like, superhero or, or science fiction type shows that probably rank up there. I mean, obviously, like, the Batman, most of the Batman shows have been, like, my favorite. Batman and the Animated yeah. Series. Like, yeah. Justice League. Yep. Um, I love shows like Gargoyles. Uh, it's like really heavily towards that kind of genre. Static yeah. Shock um, was a good show when that was out. That was pretty good. Um, based on you like know, the, I, the milestone. I never comics. saw. I never saw Static Shock. It's a very. Think, yeah. It's a. It very much captures. If you've ever read Silver Age Spider Man, it, it very accurately <laughs> captures the feel of like Silver Age Spider Man. Ah. Okay. The production values weren't as high as other shows, but it was a pretty good show, and they did have um, they had some good writing on that show. They did because it was Dwayne McDuffie, I think, was doing the writing on some of that. 
Mm. And it, it, that's from the they haven't really done anything with it in years, but the Chad, you're aware of like the milestone uh, comic imprint. Oh yeah. I, I had a, uh, when I was young, the, the f- second big round of comics that I read, the first was a stack that my grandfather had from the sixties uh, and seventies because he was a middle school teacher and his philosophy was if it takes comic books to get boys in my class to read, then dang it, I'll buy comic books. Uh, so he had this giant stack. But the other thing, the other big thing that got me reading it was my parents um, from this uh, consignment store got these long boxes that had not only milestone, but like almost the full run, like Valiant, all, almost the full run of the Unity event and like everything that came after it. So, uh and Valiant went yeah. to crap really quick. It was I awesome know. for like two years, and then it just like Is fell it, apart. Isn't that when they got bought out by Acclaim? No, Acclaim was Acclaim. much later. They got rid of Jim Shooter, and then like, There's the problem. without him helming the ship, it kind of all went. Because that's like when you know they started doing like the motorcycle with Exo Man of War. Oh lord! And then the Acclaim stuff was like they was like a reboot. Okay, that's right. Because they changed Shadow Man in a big way. To where it wasn't even the same. And Exo was just like a guy in a suit of armor. Like, they did away with all, like, the cool... Oh, with all the Viking stuff. And the alien symbiote that it essentially was, yeah. Oh, that's so lame. It is. But, yes. um, Didn't Static Shock do crossovers with with Batman Beyond? Well, he's essentially a DC character, because he's been in the Teen Mm -hmm. Titans now. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, because they they merged that back, I think around 2004, 2005, they started to merge that in a bit. Mm -hmm. Because I know um, the Justice League at some point in the late 2000s had like a, a, some event with some of the Milestone characters. Yeah, there was a crossover that I'm looking up. It's called Worlds Collide. Um... But that was in '94. There was there the, was like a, a brief story in um, Justice League, probably around 2007 or 2008, that dealt okay. some of the milestone characters. Oh, here it is, 2008. The continuity of milestone characters was modified, and the Dakotaverse characters were placed within the mainstream mainstream DC universe. And they so, proceeded to do jack all with Static in the in the main in the Titans. Line. Yeah, because yeah, he did that for a while, and then they gave him, when they did the New 52, they gave him, like, um, a series, but it didn't last long, but they made it, like, super dark. Um, okay. Like, I think he lost his arm, like, in the first couple of issues or something, and it was just a wow. little too, um, I don't know, I mean, I think the original Milestone static was more mature than the cartoon, but I think it was a tone-deaf decision to, like, do, like, the grim drac with it. Uh, I get I get very tired of the grimdark because so many occasions the grimdark is done just to be grimdark. Um, like, you know, in Warhammer 40K, the purpose behind the grimdark, you know, where well, the term comes from. It's satirical grimdark in, in 40K, though. Well, yeah, it's it's supposed to be that way. Like, the idea is the whole universe sucks, and that's why everything is fighting each other. 
That's the same way in Warhammer Fantasy. But then yeah. you have some people who are like, oh, no, we're going to take this title. And we're going to make it grim and dark. And it's like, whoa, you guys. Hey, no, don't don't do that. Don't. That's never like, mind. It's like, um, it's like we're going to be we're going to be cool and awesome like Watchmen. But you, but we don't have anything to say and we don't have a purpose like Watchmen. <laughs> so it sucks. And we don't know where we're going. Yeah. Dave, uh, this is like a weird like uh kind of comparison but they they've kind of extended this to some uh what was like children's properties in terms of tv because uh, my wife and i watched riverdale <laughs> on the cw okay. which is a completely like, just batshit insane show like i could literally <laughs> i could literally talk for like an hour about just how like ridiculous and insane that show is and if you if you like read any of the archie comics it's like it's wholesome it's nothing like the show. The show is just dark. It's 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 like a grim, dark version of Archie. Like the current storyline is uh, there's like three different storylines. One is Riverdale. It's like set uh, years in the future, but Riverdale is basically like a dystopian hell, and <laughs> some of the other characters. Uh, let me think. What? Oh yeah, uh, Betty is being is. Uh, is a fledgling member of the FBI and she's being stalked by a serial killer called the trash bag killer who looks visually. Um, the best way I can describe it is imagine like the scarecrow from the Arkham games, mm-hmm. the Batman it replaced the burlap with uh, trash bags. It's like okay. this horrific, like demonic look. It is like Jughead is being um, potentially stalked by aliens uh, specifically, Mothman. <laughs> that's that's the show currently. Um, yes, this sounds. This that sounds. That sounds. This is more wild sounding to me than the fact that Archie's biggest crossover that I can remember was with the Punisher, and I have no idea how that would work. Now, I think they did an Archie vs. Predator one at some point. Oh my god! Well, he, okay, they did. They did like everybody versus aliens versus predator. They did Superman versus aliens at one point. Uh, I will it, say I did like the because I think Todd McFarlane might have been involved with that at some point. The the Batman versus Predator comic from like the early nineties where they did like the two issue one. Um, I, I never read that one. But I I mean like I, I think Archie did kiss but they the the actual Archie line has done some darker things like I think the death of Archie and some stuff like that they've they've done some experimental stuff the the last I don't know ever since they changed the art style probably in the early two thousands I guess that's fair enough there's only so many times you can tell the same golly gee whiz story but. I mean, they've been going since the 40s, so obviously right. you can. But Riverdale sounds... What's the phrase I'm looking for here? Um, it, it, it sounds like you're... You know what? I don't, I don't have the analogy. I don't have a handle of it. I'll just it's leave just, it. Never mind. It's batshit insane. They have yeah, a Sabrina show on Netflix, but I, I did, we watched like one episode of that, and I just could not handle it. We watched the first season of that, and it was really bad early on. It, it, it was basically like someone was basically trying to do a ripoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I don't mean that in a good way. They were trying to <laughs> do like it, 
they're trying to do mm-hmm. like woke Buffy, and it just was like really, like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily ca- I don't necessarily care if you want to shove your woke politics into something, but it was really poorly done in that one. And um, the show did get better. It it's become less like Buffy and more has found its own rhythm. It's not the best show on television. And they, but I didn't find the actors <laughs> to be particularly great either. Like especially the the. The actress playing Sabrina, I didn't find particularly compelling. Uh, the Kiernan Shipka, who uh, is probably best known for playing Sally, which is the daughter on uh, Mad Men. I got I got nothing. I watched like five, six episodes <clears throat> of Mad Men and then just quit because I was like, I don't like anybody in this that's, show. There is nobody for me to root for. That's the problem I had with Breaking Bad. My wife and I watched about half a season, and I was just like, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't like anyone enough to keep. Yeah, that was along. my problem with Breaking Bad too. Is I was just like, look, I get that there's a story about the descent and all that, but I just don't care. <laughs> if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna spend 45 minutes on something, I know there's gonna be a lot of people that would cast stones at me, but. I'd rather watch something like Burn Notice where the characters are fun. and um, They're has... morally gray, but they're still principled, and it's a fun show. Yeah. I mean, he got the, what, he got one street gang to leave this these folks alone by dressing in black and walking down the street and snapping his fingers and cars blowing up. That's, that's fun. Or even like Dexter, which I didn't like as much as my wife, but that one was... They played it better where he wasn't likable, but um, the way they would pit him against, like, the bad guys was interesting. And, like, part of, I think, what made that compelling was if you were, even if you wanted Dexter to get his comeuppance, like, that that was compelling enough to keep you going. Mm. But Breaking Bad, I just didn't, I just couldn't latch on to anyone. Did you like Breaking Bad, Matt? I actually liked it a lot, but I do understand that criticism. I think that's fair. Because <clears throat> eventually there are – the characters become more and more like morally compromised. I felt – I felt the reason I think Breaking Bad, like it, it's it's okay, is because they never like really sugarcoated it or made it – like whitewashed it. They didn't make it seem like, well, no, actually Walt's like a good guy. It's like, no, they, he, they pretty much made him be an asshole, and at the very end – let me spoil it for people. At the very end, he like acknowledges that the eventually the evil things that he was doing, like he just did it for himself. Like he he liked it. Uh, I think that's better than, for example, like uh, Shonda Rhimes shows, oh, where all, all of her characters are like completely morally compromised, just terrible people, and they're always presented as like heroic. Like, well, you know, I did a really shitty thing, but you know, it, I, I'm right. Like, it was good that I did this. It's yeah. like, no, it's terrible. My wife watched Grey's Anatomy for a while, and, like, the main character, they were getting rid of, um... Oh, what's that lady's name? She was an Arliss. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Um, they were getting rid of her character, and they were trying to, like, make her unlikable, and she finally had enough with the main character. And I don't know who you're supposed to side with, because, like, they are kind of making her a jerk, but it's like, no, you're actually kind of right about the main character, and it kind of ruined the main character because after that you just looked at her as like, yeah, you know, she was totally right about you that you like you're fallen, you fell behind like the curve, and you're trying to hold everyone else back because you can't handle it. And then she just, 
She also, the other problem I have with her shows is she has, like, no creativity. So her uh-huh. way of getting rid of characters is just to horribly kill them. Which just gets old after a while. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, look, my the thing is that there are so many um, grim... People who want to do grim dark, but then they don't... They're, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. They just wanted to make a thing that is the grim dark. It's like you, you. First of all, part of the reason Dallas started to, to drop was the fact that they killed um, Patrick Duffy's character, who was the only person that people liked on that show. Yeah, but I mean, like, the problem with Patrick Duffy though is he's the leg of a scuzzlebutt. So how are you going to properly cast him? Well, okay, yeah, yeah, I know that, but. At least he wasn't at the time of the show, so. <laughs> but um, it's really sad that I threw that out there and that that reference was totally just gotten no, completely. Yeah, I just I just picked it up without missing a beat. No, I am. I have to say, I just want to throw it out there because I'm very upset about Matt. Is we did um we did a, if you guys haven't seen it yet, we did a guest appearance on the Open Airlock Pol- Policy YouTube channel. If you want to see our ugly mugs. Yeah, but um, Matt totally missed when he was talking about how much he likes Hacksaw Jim Duggan's Instagram page. You totally missed when I like threw in the side comment of his love of blenders. Oh God, I missed that. Yes, you did, and I was so upset. Like, I don't know if you could see the look of disappointment during the stream, but I'm like, damn it, Matt missed that. Uh, and by the way, I think it was established, right? It was finally established that that whole um, infamous. Uh, Death Valley Driver Review message board uh, sleaze thread was started by, by Tony Khan. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which that, is insane because at the time, I remember like we, that was like legendary, a legendary thread in the in the internet wrestling community it's for still years and years. Though, because there's, a, you hear a lot of stuff that people will say like on like the subreddit or other message boards and you know it's bullshit, and you're like, no, that that's, and you know it started because that because that, it started from the sleaze thread, and it's it's caused so many urban legends that have just gotten passed yeah. down as truth. And and it's kind of hard to parse out what is actually true from that list and what isn't. Well, there's only there's only two there's only really two true things in that whole thread, and it's the blender from Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Jimmy Valiant and the table. So that one is that one's confirmed true. Oh, I don't know. I I think someone's asked. I'd have to look at shoots. I bet someone's asked Ricky and Robert about that. Uh, I I don't. If I was in their position, I'd be like, we ain't we ain't talking about that. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I think someone <laughs> Ever... did ask in one of the U shoots. They asked Tommy Rich about the Jim Barnett um, rumors that I think that might have been from the sleaze thread. Uh, but that might predate the sleaze thread. Okay, I think I might have predated it. Yeah, it might have. Because I also asked him about um about if he uh, if he like dyed his pubes, <laughs> which his response God. to that was really funny. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, I couldn't even fit them in a thing to you know <laughs> to die. <laughs> I, his his shoots are really hilarious. Like Tommy's really like a character. From my understanding, the the characterism helps with a lot of sauce. 
he's you know he's pretty i think um he throws a lot of shade but he 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 also will admit like i was kind of a dick when i was a kid like i got success early so like i wasn't a perfect angel either and sometimes he said yeah that guy was kind of a dick but you know he was dealing with me so i can't blame him so he's kind of it's not like i will say that the best you shoot one though is just because it's it's the most utterly insane thing i've ever heard is um is the manny fernandez one oh lord and like that man is he he's not billy jack haynes level but he's up there <laughs> wow didn't uh, Manny Fernandez throw shade at the stories about Ming being a tough guy? No, he said. I think he said that they that everyone wanted them to square off because I think I think Manny was a bit of a tough guy and they didn't actually fight each other. I've seen clips from that where Manny is missing many teeth. Yes, he's very fat. Yeah. So. So that's quite a field from where you know, we were going. The booger oh. sugar is a, har- a harsh mistress, Shad. Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. The point, Chad, that I had originally <laughs> wanted to make <laughs> was that I don't honestly uh, – I don't rank. I usually rank uh, all these other great shows as like my favorite cartoons of all time. But uh, Darkwing Duck is actually up there. Yeah. I loved this show back in the day. I loved it. And uh, my schedule is very busy, so I don't have a chance to watch nearly as much as I want to. But I really do need to make time and watch Darkwing Duck on uh, on Disney+. Plus. It's a very competent go... superhero show. <clears throat> it's almost like 100 episodes if you count every episode. So the, I, I, I want to just plow you know, through all. I, I honestly think he's not a pure superhero show because he has some very pulpy elements in there. Mm-hmm. because he's yeah, almost he's... Mm-hmm. he's kind of a mix like if you don't know what Darkwing mm-hmm. is he's kind of a mix I mean Batman started off as pretty much um, <clears throat> I'm about to throw some shade here so if you like Bob Kane which you shouldn't I'm going to throw some shade <laughs> at Bob Kane being a talentless uh, plagiarizing hack okay but um, <laughs> Batman Batman is essentially like a plagiarized in his very early forms with Bob Kane. He's pretty much plagiarized right from the shadow. Yeah. So, um, Darkwing Duck kind of splits the difference between the shadow and Batman. The other thing that's That's, I would actually agree with that completely. The other thing that I like about Darkwing in kind of the overview sense is not only is he, is it a pretty good superhero show? But it also, for lack of a better term, kind of takes the piss out of superhero shows because Darkwing is not always good at things he wants to do. Uh, Sometimes he either lucks into a win or he's just bad at it, uh, at whatever it is he's trying to do. And, you know, just being able, you know, every now and then he slips on a banana peel. And, you know what, that's fun. That adds a, a nice fun twist to it. And it's not always... You know, he doesn't have to be hyper competent all the time. It's okay if he screws up. And and I think what what contrasts it well is ninety nine percent of his villains are threats and competent. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yes. Also, his hatred of Gizmo Duck is wonderful too. <laughs> I mean, Gizmo Duck's kind of a blowhard, though. He is, 
But the problem is with his suit, he's good at just about everything. So he shows up in Darkwing City and starts showing him up. So, yeah, Darkwing's a glory hound, and he, he can't stand Gizmo Duck. I, I do love um, Stego the Dino Lad. He's one of my favorite oh, characters yeah. on the show. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm, uh, I, I know who you're talking about, but I want to look it up because I'm... He started as, like, a henchman to, like, some scientist that turned them into dinosaurs, and the scientist was, like, a pterodactyl. Was there a uh, Mastodon, Sabertooth Tiger, and Tyrannosaurus involved as well? I don't remember. And okay. I was looking at some of the villains, Back- and I didn't realize that um, Fowl had as many agents as they had. Ah, uh, I didn't remember that either. Because they have Steelbeak, and then, oh, I don't remember her name. There, there was, like, the cleaning lady. Mm, got nothing for you. And then there was like a chameleon, and there was one other person. You know what? This is going to be easier with TV tropes. And then like this Quacker Jack, who um, I remember there was one where they teamed up because like who was what was that guy's the fearsome, name? The Fearsome Five. Yeah. It was Negaduck, Bushroot. Um, Liquidator, uh, Megavolt, and Quackerjack. Yeah. Yes. I remember those. Uh, I think it was like two. Ep- it was two episodes. Yeah. Because you had to have uh, Darkwing get his own team, the, the Justice Ducks. Yes. Yes. I always and they had to the team up, and it was such a, like a, an homage to basically you know like the, the Avengers teaming up against like the Masters of Evil or, or the Justice League against the I think Legion, it's... Uh, Legion of Doom something like that and it was so I like marked out I remember watching those episodes I I, I taped them onto uh, VHS and I watched mm-hmm. them quite often I think it's more but fun to Brad... say it as the Just Us Ducks yeah they they kind oh, yeah. of dance back and forth <laughs> yes. on it by the way Brad I think that Stegmut is who you were referring yeah, to yeah Stegmut the Dino Lad yeah yeah um yeah, uh, now that I, I've looked at him, like, yeah, I remember that. Who was his so. voice actor? Because his voice, I think, was in the Smurfs. Joey Cammon. Uh, okay, I don't know that name off the top of my head, but I bet if you looked him up, he did a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he did, looking him up, he uh, and did deed voices for the Smurfs. Okay, yeah. He had a very, like, unique voice. Like, you, he had this, like... I guess with the Stegma character, he had like a very unique voice that I felt was used in a lot of different things. And looking at his looking at his uh, his work history, like he did a bunch of stuff with animated programs. And then um, I I was looking because the um, it doesn't exist in the same universe as um, Ducktales. I think they did a crossover in the new one where he shows up for Ducktales, but it uses actually. So Launchpad McQuack came over. Um, mm-hmm. Gizmo Duck came over. Uh, Flint, Harm, Flint Heart Glomgold did a cameo when um, Phineas Sharp stole that list of Shush agents, and he was auctioning it off. Flint Heart is one of the people that showed up with like the like Steelbeak and um, Hammerhead. I would thought that uh, it was established that it was part of the Ducktales universe. Yeah, I think it's like an alternate. DuckTales, though, because Launchpad McQuack is not quite the same guy. No, but he talks about how he used to work for Scrooge whenever yeah, he first showed up. I'm saying, though, it's not, it's, it's like a, it's like, um, it's like an Earth 2 
Duckburg that he interacts with, though, because Launchpad is not, like, the incompetent pilot anymore, because he doesn't crash like the Thunderquack. I don't know. I just attributed it to being later in the... Um... Later in the the timeline, so maybe Launchpad had learned a little bit, but because that was the joke in one of the Ducktales, is there was one where he actually landed it right, and he was actually pissed off. Oh, really? He didn't crash it, and then and then going back to Ducktales, there's also where you meet his um his family, and they were like the were they like the flying launch pads? They were like a circus <sighs> act, where like they could like like a flying circus act or something. I don't know. Were the mm. did, I want to say, did Magic of the Spell ever show up on this? Um, I think her bird did. Like her her um bird sidekick might have showed up once. Don't remember. Let me see. I was looking at the launch pad thing, but that's just and I think there's actually, just too much to go through. I think actually, if you go back, one of the most popular episodes of Ducktales where Launchpad becomes a secret agent, I believe he's working for Shush in that one too, hmm. and he's taking on Fowl. If if I had to guess, those are some some really good. Um, those are some really good names, and the fact that the head of Su- uh, Shush was Jay Gander Hooter. Um, hopefully, hopefully he's a little bit better than his namesake. And I, I remember, I remember the launch pad um, secret agent episode from Ducktales because he had that way, he had that toupee that had the gun in it. I don't remember that at all. Gigander Hooter was a good one. Um, what was Igor's last name? Because there's Igor, who uh, Darkwing hated, and they always got into. You talking about the bear? Yeah, the bear. Vladimir Grizzlikov. Yes, he was one of my favorite characters in that show. I uh, yeah, I'm looking at his his TV trope list right now. That's another good name. That's the Grizzlikov. That's just a great name. Now, who was a let's let's do a quick one. Oh, Mo, uh, Tuscanini and Moliarty were also two of his his villains. Mm-hmm. But who would who would you guys say your favorite villain was? Because I think mine was Megavolt. <clears throat> uh, Megavolt would have to be my number one. Megavolt was really good. Um, I liked all of the Pearson Five. They were they were all really good, but if I'm if I'm gonna pick one, it would hmm, it would be between Megavolt and Bushroot. Because I like them because they, even though I didn't know how to say it at the time, they weren't like direct XPs, it felt like, of other characters. You know, Quacker Jack is very much a Toy Man Joker thing, right? Negaduck is very much the inverse of the main character thing. But Megavolt, Electric Villain, Bushroot, I, you might be able to call him kind of a Poison Ivy thing, but not exactly. Um, he didn't. He didn't seem to carry the same kind of story. So, um, you know, I, I'd i have to throw it up between them. Now, I can say that I think Bushroot was more irritating in the NES game 
but my memory might uh, be I did want to talk later. about the NES game. I absolutely want to talk about that, yeah. Because, well, let's just talk about now, because this was probably the last of those great Capcom ones, but it's mm. it's essentially a shameless Mega Man ripoff, and it's excellent. <laughs> yes, it was completely a Mega Man ripoff. Um, yeah. And although different in uh, in style a little bit, uh, did you guys ever play Chippendale's Rescue Rangers? Yes, so that, much. Also a blatant ripoff of the whole the Mega Man games. Uh, is there like a specific... I know it's like an action, like a, a side-scroller. Kind of an action platformer Plat- thing. Yeah, platformer. action platformer. Yeah. But w- is there would you is there a name or would you give a name to something that's mm-hmm. clearly like a ripoff of Mega Man because Mega Man itself obviously was an action platformer but these games were like so I would just call it a like, Mega Man clone. It's yeah, like how there was um, a few there was a few for the 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 NES back in the day. It's just like I mean I get well I guess that's the genre the genre now because like when you talk about roguelikes they're just based on rogue from like 1981 but that's the genre now they call it a roguelite but like they used mm. to call um what do they used to call diablo clones are they just diablo clones or hack they and di- slash hack and slash but yeah um you know i think i would call them Mega Man clones they're kind of action platformers but i don't know because it's it's weird because Mega Man's very unique in like the stage select and how the stage like, select Mm-hmm. And the power-up aspect. Of and it. yeah, and how the weapons interact with the world. Even though the Metal Blade from Two is the best weapon of all time, it didn't. It didn't take up a whole lot of special energy. It did a lot of damage. It was a good choice. But I do. I do. I, I was listening to a podcast, Retronauts, um, which is excellent. If you want to listen to people talk about old video games, they were ranking them a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about Mega Man One. And I forgot about those stupid platforms and guts van stage they'll just randomly drop you yeah and you have to like know when they're gonna gonna do it and i remember how much that like just confounded me as a kid or the or the disappearing platform puzzles i really hated those yeah but the the darkwing game carried it carried some of the stage select aspect like each each phase of the game, there were what three missions. There are three, and if you beat them, I think because like the first one was like Bushroot, Quackerjack, and maybe Liquidator, and then the second group I don't remember. I know Megabolt was one of the second ones. Mm-hmm. But uh, you didn't like get power ups from beating them, but you had different um, different types of gas that you could put in the gas yeah. gun. Yeah, and so. Um, DuckTales also had the stage select to it. Yeah, it did. That's true. See, I'm gonna... I, I don't know that I want to call it a Mega Man ripoff. It played a lot like Mega Man because it was built on the same engine, but it didn't, at least for me, carry a lot of the hallmarks that Mega Man did. You know, the stage select was much more limited. You didn't have power-ups that you got for beating certain stages. You had some different moves, like you could block bullets with mm-hmm. your cape, um, there was, you could grab like a platform and jump upwards because yeah, some you of had... the bosses, some of the bosses required you to hang from a platform mm-hmm. and shoot them. I think yeah. Liquidator did. Uh, Quackerjack totally did. Oh yeah, that was Quackerjack. Yeah. Cause Quackerjack's usually the first one you fight because his stage was the easiest. 
Yeah, but there wasn't. There wasn't other than the ease of the stage. There wasn't an optimal way of tackling them. No. Like in in Mega Man, you start here. You get this one to beat this one. You get that one to beat that one. You get that one to beat that one kind of stuff. I actually think, um, just to go on a side note, I think of the Mega Man gameplay, I think Mega Man X1 is actually the um, the ultimate version of it because what I love about that game is there is, a, there is a certain way to do it, but if you beat the stages in a certain order, it affects other stages. Like if you if you beat the Ice Penguin stage, it exceeds... It, it extinguishes all the fire in the flame mammoth stage. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't play any of the Mega Man's plus probably three. Um, um, they start to get crappy after three. I, I just never did it. Now, I, I played Rescue Rangers so much that I could... I, I that was one of the first games that I could just be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go beat Rescue Rangers, and I just would. That's when you find like, out who Rescue Rangers is a good test if someone's your friend or not. Huh. Oh, <laughs> if they pick up the box you're hiding in and chuck you off an edge. Yeah. Well, there's actually a funny story. I think it was Andrew or Adam Fitch were talking about. It might have been. I'm not going to. They do Retronauts and some other podcasts, but. They were talking about how when new Super Mario Brothers came out, they went to some event and they got to play the game with Miyamoto. Mm-hmm. They're talking about how I absolutely idolize this man, and we start playing, and he thinks it's absolutely hilarious to pick me up and throw me in a pit over and over and over again. So this guy <laughs> I idolize is just murdering me in this game over and over again and laughing his ass off while doing it. <laughs> I have some friends that refer to that game as Super Mario Brothers Divorce. <laughs> you never play that with your with your spouse. That's what um have you ever played the board game Diplomacy that's called the Friendship Ender? No, I haven't. I've been curious, but I never did. Because the backstabbing is so notorious in that that um it people can't handle it. That's the way um I've I've seen have you ever played Munchkin? Oh Lord, yes. So I uh, can't say that I have. So I haven't heard of this. Let me see what I've got. Munchkin. Cthulhu is the Munchkin. best one. I have Munchkin. I have Star Munchkin. I have Super Munchkin. I have Munchkin Foo. I have the Good, the Bad, and the Munchkin. I have uh, the uh, Christmas Munchkin expansion packs. The Cthulhu um, one's pretty good. That's the only one I still have. My brother has that one. But I've I've seen people lose their mind over getting screwed in that game, and and like you have to tell them like that's the point of the game is to be a dick to each other. Mm-hmm. It's built into the rogue card. Backstab your friends. Yeah. Killer that's, bunnies. That's I've seen tag, I've seen it? people get mad about killer bunnies too. Back in the day. I only ever played. I only ever played killer bunnies once, and I got irritated because we sat down to play it. My wife and I sat down to play it with another couple. And the guy was just like, oh, let's have a good time. But his wife was like, this is how you play Killer Bunnies. And she just destroyed us. Like, the first time we were playing it, she just wrecked us because she would not take her foot off the gas. And it's like, oh, that was fun for you. See, see, I hate when people do that. Like, if I teach you how to play a board game, I won't... I won't... I'm not going to put the kid gloves on for you, but I will... 
I will purposely make suboptimal moves throughout the game to keep you in it. Yeah. And to not like run over you. But like <laughs> but like there's a good chance I'll probably beat you, but I'm gonna make suboptimal moves along the way to keep you it keeps you involved and that's fun yeah. but no she just wrecked us and we were like uh i don't remember what all the phases of a turn are but hey you've pulled all the cards out of my hand so good for you and and what, usually when i teach someone we just play open handed the first time or two like honestly the first time i played munchkin um i got irritated like the friend that taught me the game was notorious in his friend group. It's like, if you play that with him, you take him down. But he kept finding ways to win. So, um, but it, the point is to get to level 10. Nobody ever told me until I had, like, the level cards in my hands and you can sell items to a certain gold amount to buy levels. So I sold all my stuff, and then I dropped the cards in my hand to get to level 10. And he goes, you can't buy your way to level 10. And I was like... Uh, what? And he's like, you can't do that. And I was like, since when? And he, he pulled the rules out and flipped to it, and I was like, you were going to tell me this when? Because you're just now telling me that after I have, like, processed my whole turn and finished everything, and you're just being like, oh, you can't do that. Guess you don't have any cards in your hand now. So That's my problem I, with Munchkin is, like, you have to figure... Like to win, you you have to figure out a way to be able to bounce from eight to ten, or else you're just gonna get yeah destroyed at nine every time. Yeah, well, I didn't win that game, but I just made it a point to make sure he didn't either. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's like if you're gonna do if you're, I understand why that mechanics there. It's to prevent exactly what I was trying to do, but you've got to tell me that from the beginning. Otherwise, you know, I spent half the game building to that. And then all of a sudden, I've played all my cards, everything's on the table, all my equipment's gone. You're like, oh, that doesn't work. Next person's turn. No, I think um, the guy got mad because he was level 9 and he was he came up against the monster that he could beat mm -hmm. at level 9. And then I, like, pumped it up to, like, some insane... Like, some... I think I pumped it up to some degree where he couldn't beat it, or then I turned around... I pumped it up and turned around and got someone to screw him so like he was even weaker and then he just got murdered mm -hmm. and he was pissed yeah. and it's like but that's the point yeah the the um kill stuff get loot backstab your friends i think is the tag to it yeah so it's built into the game anyway back to darkwing the game is really good um it's it's i don't know if it's better than ducktales but it's probably my second favorite of the disney afternoon games Who's the final boss in the NES game? I don't even remember. I was trying to remember. Isn't it um? Isn't it Steelbeak? I think you're right. Hmm. I was curious if Taurus Bulba came back or not. <laughs> you know, I never owned Darkwing Duck, but I did. For some reason, I mean, I should have just just had my mom buy it for me. But for some <laughs> reason, I rented this like like multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, that's happened to me before. I I do own it. Um. It's actually not super expensive. You'd think it'd be much more expensive because it's, mm. it's one of those later issue Darkwing games. I mean, one of those later issue NES games, and those can get kind of pricey. Yeah. Well, you can... I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, not to uh, encourage pirating, but I really do need to mod my uh, NES Classic so I can get this game and other games yeah. downloaded. 
It's, you, you can, can get, get uh, yeah, it's, the uh, Disney Afternoon Bundle on Steam. I don't think it's well, no, it's it's um no, I think they took it off. Did they? They I, took Ducktales off, but you can get it on PS the PS Store. I think um, it's on GOG too, isn't it? I don't know. I know um, you can get like um, Aladdin and Lion King. Because mm, I remember we were laughing at that. Um, Matt sent us that video of that woman playing Lion King in the game, just like brutalizing her. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! She's like game over. <laughs> it's like yes. You you know what I liked like, about that video though is um is she had a sense of humor about her badness about it. So when people were teasing her, mm-hmm. she you know she was laughing along with them instead of getting like defensive and butthurt about it. Because my favorite one is some guy comment under that was like you bad and like she just like sent him back a picture of like Donald Duck pouting, <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. But like I, usually people get really upset about that stuff. But um, well, it it's much better than the uh, gaming journalist, the infamous. This is the infamous clip, like the gaming journalist who like couldn't even play the tutorial of Cuphead. Oh, Dean uh, oh, Takahashi. Yeah. Oh yeah. I knew I know his name. Yeah, that was that was bad. Um, yeah. So the Disney Afternoon Collection is still on Steam for twenty bucks. Okay, you can get that. So. Folks, if if you want to get it on Steam, do what I do. Put it on your wish list, and they'll email you when it's on sale because you could probably pick that up for four bucks if you wait. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it has Tailspin, Chippendales, and Ducktales. I don't know about the sequel. It does. Game. Uh you know, let's see. It's the it had Ducktales, Chippendale, Darkwing, Tailspin are all there. Uh, Chippendale two and Ducktales two are there. Okay. So. Um, I love DuckTales. DuckTales is one of my favorite NES games. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. And it's actually beatable. That one's not too hard for an NES game. Um, because I think, I think, I think when you talk about NES games, stupid Ninja Gaiden 1 and those damn birds. Ugh. Is it when damn yes. birds? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because there are, um... But that's just like a game that's just almost like fucking cheap. Yeah. There's a there's a section in the very last level that unless you glitch, uh, like intentionally cause it to glitch or manipulate the spawn points, it's actually impossible to get by. Uh, there was a guy named Lord Cat who had a video series called Until We Win, and he would he would play through this stuff until he finally beat it. Like like he would hammer his way through this stuff, and that he's like, unless you do this right here, the spawns for this platform right here will kill you every time, no matter what you do. That was the problem with those games, is that the enemies would respawn. So it's like if you go. You know, slightly off screen and come back. It's like the enemies are have returned. Which, if, yeah. if it's just a standard enemy, like maybe that's fine. But it, they would put they would put enemies on like a pillar that you need to jump onto, or else you're gonna mm-hmm. fall to your death. And it's like, or ugh. or you had knockback like in <clears throat> Castlevania. Or Castlevania mm. is also is also guilty of one of my biggest crimes of early video games. Is enemies that you cannot you cannot hit with both of you standing because they're too yeah. small. Oh yeah. Because those damn oh, fleas. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got that from um, from a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, heck, the, the original Ninja Turtles game was pretty lousy about it, too. Well, the, the problem with Ninja Turtles is um, Donatello's overpowered in that game. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's that one fight, I think it's Rocksteady, where you can literally just stay on top of the boxes and, like, bow oh. down and kill him without even doing anything. Yeah, and yeah. I did. But routinely. Oh, yeah. But where that game can fuck off is that those underwater levels with, like, the electro seaweed. You know, I yeah. never had a problem with those. Oh, I always had a problem with those. Yeah, same. I, 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 you know, I just end it with about five seconds left, but I would just take it easy, take my time, and I'd get right, I, you know, I'd get through it without a... Um, you know, without a huge problem. And t- I saw uh, I saw a meme the other day, um, and I think I even sent it to a um, friend of the show, Damian Gonzalez, <laughs> uh, the Dames, uh, I, where it was basically, it, it was a screenshot of that uh, TMNT game, the, the yeah. water level of those, that fucking, like, electrified seaweed. Yeah. And the meme was just basically like, kids these days will never know the pain. <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> that, those, those underwater levels... We're an absolute chore. Well, have you ever seen the AVGN where he couldn't get past that one thing, and then they figured out after the fact that you can literally, because of some glitch in the graphics, like you can literally just, just walk walk across it, and he was so yeah. pissed. Yeah, I know exactly which section he's talking about. It's sad that it's sad that you know those things. <clears throat> I had the same reaction. <laughs> like. I remember that because I had that very reaction to that section. There's there's one in a Sonic game. I think it's Sonic 3 where you just had to stand still and it would do the thing and it like everyone got stuck there and it was like some really stupid like um Oh, what was it? I'll have to look it up after the show. But there's there's an infamous Sonic 3 one that people got stuck on. Yeah. Uh, old video games and the pain that they caused us. <laughs> or, um, I don't know how I beat it as a kid. Zelda 2. That game is brutal. That's what I hear. Brutal. That's, that's one of the hint things I have heard regularly is Zelda 2 is rough. It's kind of like Monkey Island 2. Good luck. I don't think I played Monkey Island 2. Yeah, there's a very uh, there's a very specific sequence at the end of the game, and if you don't do that, you can't beat it. Uh, is this like the old point and click adventure thing where if you screwed something up early, like you couldn't finish the game? Like I think it was Space King's Quest. Quest. Space mm-hmm. Quest, where you couldn't if you if you didn't pick up some random <laughs> piece of glass, you couldn't get past lasers later in the game, but you couldn't go back and get the glass if you missed it. That totally happened in King's Quest V, even, was if you didn't pick this thing up, then you couldn't cut the ropes you were tied up in the basement. Oh. And it's just like, wow, guys. Seri- like, that's one of those games where you end up picking up a strategy guide because it's not – the level of unfair is not fun. It's just – it's just super obnoxious. Yeah. Um. It's like, oh, I don't know how far back I need to go in order to not screw this up. So I guess I have to start all over. Yay. 
So then, um, to go back to Darkwing Duck, I think his um his supporting cast was really interesting. Cause you had you had um Goslin, who is mm-hmm. his adopted daughter. You had the next door neighbors, which were the Muddlefoots, who Darkwing did not like. That was the dad was her, but I don't remember the wife's name. Uh, I'll be able to tell you in a and second. And then their son Hon- he, Honker, the Herbin Binky. Herbin Binky, okay. Yep, that's what I was gonna say. Um, so it's kind of you know he's kind of like the typical what would you say braggadocious neighbor, and gregarious I think is the term. And he use. did not care for them because his name was. So his secret identity name was Drake Mallard, which I think is a great, hilarious name. That's a great name. Okay, I know they asked it in one episode, but what does Drake Mallard do? Or is he just, like, independently wealthy? Um, I don't know. <laughs> right? There was an episode where he ended up in, quote-unquote, the real world, talking to human kids who asked him that question, and he never answered it. I would imagine Shush, Shush pays him. I don't know. Uh, that that I I was just hoping if you guys had ever heard what it was supposed to be. Maybe he's living be, off of know. the stipend that he gets for having adopted Goslin. Are you gonna? Well, I mean, he had all that stuff. He had his his breakfast obstacle course set up before that. But I was gonna say, are you gonna be telling me that he lives off of shush money? I mean, yes. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Do you have any ideas? I kind of – I also thought maybe he was just like independently rich because it's never that I can remember established like what he actually does right. besides being Darkwing, obviously. Yeah. Let me Google it. I feel like the accountant <clears throat> should be in there somewhere. Maybe he said that as a cover. Maybe. Yeah, even TV Trope says seems to have no other job but as a crime fighter. Hmm. So Maybe he's getting bounties off of, like, catching these guys. Maybe. Or maybe he just steals from them. Oh, like Blade? Yes. <laughs> I did enjoy that his, um, his, his uh, method of getting to the, um, his secret lair was in his recliner. That one, yeah. I liked that a lot. Like, of course he sits in his recliner a lot. That makes sense. And then, oh, well, he has his girlfriend, Morgana, who started out as a villain. Yeah. And then, uh, is her family in very many episodes, or just like one or two? Which one? His girlfriend, Morgana. Morgana Macabre? former CEO of Macabre's Mushrooms. And who's much taller than him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she sure is. He's like half her height. Um, oh, and they I did. Know. I also want to say, um, as a specific episode, their take on the Dark Knight Returns that they did with Darkwing was really good. Oh, yes, I remember that one. Because that's, like, the he one did. where they go to, like, the alternate future and, like, Goslin dies and he, like, goes off of his nut and, like, kind of becomes this, like, fascist dictator of St. Canard. 
exactly he basically it's under essentially um martial law with him as the basically the sole authority because he makes these robots Mm -hmm. and you find out like i guess i guess the point of it was like goslin's his humanity which i mean i think that's been like the theme through the whole show because you know when the series starts he's just living in that tower doing nothing sleeping all day fighting crime at night yeah and then goslin like forces him to be like a real person yeah Hmm. i'm trying to look for something right now but i don't have it and taurus bulba did come back in season two yeah, as that cyborg. Yeah, that one was kind of intense. <clears throat> I think it would be kind of intense for a young person, like with him overheating and stuff. Yeah, that I remember that one made an impression. Yeah, because they end up like on like a cliff, don't they, or something like. Um, Bulba flew away, but I don't remember. Uh, that was his. That was his escape, because Darkwing was in a wheelchair for that episode. Yeah, because I don't remember what happened to him, though. I think he had a skiing accident. Yeah, that makes sense. He was kind of a klutz. <laughs> like I said, it, I like how it takes the piss out of a lot of... Uh, uh, out of a lot of stuff by making him not great at everything. I mean, he really doesn't have superpowers. He just kind of has no. his... Um, his gas gun... Mm-hmm. That occasionally looks like it can be used for lethal purposes. Uh, I don't remember that, but... There's also an episode okay. where he tells his origin that's obviously bullshit, but it's like... um, He has like some mystical power and he like grew up in a monastery and stuff. Oh, the, the Kung Fu episode. Yeah, because that's what are like... I think we talked about it on the Saturday morning ones where, like, they find him as a baby and, like, the the sensei, like, picks him up and his di- diaper's obviously dirty. He's like, we shall call him Stinky as he, like, holds him away. <laughs> yeah. Because um, in that one, his, um, his, his, like, how he does, like, the gas thing is actually, like, a superpower he got from a genie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That's how he makes his really cool entrance. Yeah, that's how. Because the episode is like, it's like um, it's like a future version of Goslin and Honker in a museum, and it's like Darkwing is obviously like an old retired janitor. Yeah. And telling them the story, but it's obviously like not true. There was the episode where his his um master, his kung fu master, showed up. I, I remember because it was he never mastered the belly bounce, which was supposed to be like the ultimate move. And then uh, by the end of the episode, he did or something. But he's talking about he's like, I'm going to put out half hour home tapes with all my martial arts skill. And, and launch Fred goes, D.W., who's going to want to watch you for a half hour? And then they stop and very slowly look directly at the quote unquote camera. And they're like, uh, and the episode cuts off. 
And then there's also the video game episode where he ends up in the game. And Goslin has to, like, help him by using the video game character to help him out. I think that's a mm-hmm. Quacker Jack episode. I think so, too. Now, what was the weird... What was the weird one with that ghost? Was it Paddywhack that, like, took over uh, Mr. Banana Brains? Uh, that is Paddywhack. And he stole, like, um, Quacker Jack's sense of humor eventually? That one was a very creepy one, actually. I, I, yes. I would be interested to see that one again. It had good range, though, because there were, there were some episodes that were very comedic, but then they did some really good, I would say, horror-based episodes. Mm-hmm. Wow, there's really just so much stuff to mine in this show. Matt, would you like to cut loose with anything? Brad and I have been talking a lot. Is there anything you want to cut loose on? No, I, I'm just kind of following along. Okay. Uh, I'm looking through like Wikipedia. Um, there's a lot of characters I don't really remember, like some of the one-off characters. Okay. Yeah, I was going through the TV tropes listing, and I'm I'm running into that a lot myself. Do you remember Lily put the guy from like the the golf course that would shrink things? Mm, I think I do remember that one. No. That was a really early episode. I think that was like. The second or third one that was on TV. Because this was actually... This this still happened in this era, but I think this is one of the last shows that was syndicated to regular TV while having a Saturday morning run at the same time. So if you were... Yeah. If you were watching this back in the day, the episodes on Saturday morning would not hit syndication until the next year. So... Like the the weekday shows had their own thing going on, but Saturday morning was a different set of episodes. Yeah, that was the new stuff. That was the that was if you wanted to see the new stuff, you watched it on Saturday morning. And it, you said it had a hundred episodes, Matt, or like ninety nine or uh, something. Close to it, it looks like it had uh, sixty five in the, that first season. And then, like the Saturday morning stuff that was uh, that came afterwards was twenty six ish episodes. Yes, exactly twenty six. Okay. Uh, spanned over two seasons. Um, so, you know, do the math. It's like what ninety one. Yeah. So close to hundred, but not quite. I hate when shows get closer. I have an odd number of episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, just I mean, the twenty six rounded out. The twenty six was kind of like just gravy because. 65 was usually like the the syndication run for most of those shows like those animated shows yeah because i think we i think we did i don't know if shad was on that episode but i think you and i figured out that um if you did a 65 episode run that was almost three months of tv which gave you four like four cycles of the show throughout a calendar year If I remember correctly. You know, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't mind this a little more than they did. Like, I know there was the um, the Kaboom comic book that, that, that happened right before Disney bought Marvel that that axed that one. That was really good. And I remember mm-hmm. they used to have... Um, okay, this is going to really date me, but um, they used to have comics for it in the Disney afternoon um what what would you call that? Was that like a digest magazine? 
Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh wow, I do remember actually. Now that you think, now that you actually mention it, because you would get it up like where the Reader's Digest was, like or like that the tabloid stuff. It wasn't like a comic book, but it was like yeah, okay. Now I got you. It was like those mini magazines that used to be popular back in the day. It's like what those um. If you if you happen to be in the grocery store now, those Archie digests, it was like the same size as those. Yes, I remember that. I'm, I never actually got that as a kid. I don't think I was ever subscribed. I think I'd pick it up every now and then. I know my friend had a subscription to it. Do you ever remember? Um, th- this is going even further back and dating me even even more because I know we all everyone had one in the eighties, but. The Highlights magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking or about. Or every yeah. dentist office still has those, like, lying <laughs> around. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's the best thing for small kids. As long as you don't leave crayons lying around, lying around they scrubble all over everything, but... Everything. Everything. So, yeah. He said from experience. Um... <laughs> I think, um... I think you, I think we're gonna get into some bigger shows, kind of coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. That will I think be bigger to me than Darkwing Duck, and I do want to just some things that we're going to do this year, and I don't know when. I want to go through all of the Garfield primetime animated specials at some point. My wife has two of them. Which two? Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those are good. Um, there's one that... Well, no, there's actually two that were really scary for me as a kid. The Halloween special with the ghost chasing them at the end. Okay. And the, I think it's Garfield in the Rough where the panther attacks them. <clears throat> yeah, I don't uh, remember that at all. I don't remember that one. I can send you a clip of it. Um, mm. they're most, most of them are actually on Amazon. And then there's like... Because... Um, there's the first one, which is just like a rerun of like his gags from the comic strip. Then there's, I think it's Garfield on the town where he meets his mom. And there's like, it's a very um, 80s like street gang ish kind of thing, more like 70s because it came out in 81. Uh huh. And then Garfield in the rough. There's the one where they go on vacation and they like, that's actually one of um that one actually has Wolfman Jack doing a voice in it. And they have to oh, drive really? like this Corvette into a volcano to satiate the gods or something. What? Yeah. Okay. No, there's some crazy. Some, the the Garfield uh the Garfield animated primetime specials get a little nuts. It sounds like it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and then um I know Matt. And I are dying to do it, and we'll probably have to drag Shad kicking and stream, screaming. But I want to do um. At some point, I want to get the time to do like a watch along of the Transformers animated movie. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Because it's an it's an underappreciated like animation classic. Transformers. More will... than meets the eye. It's yeah. worth it for like the '80s hair metal <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> you got the touch. And it has uh, Orson Welles in it, Leonard Nimoy, Eric Idle. If we do that, I will do my dead level best not to sing along to Dare to be Stupid in that one scene. Uh, Robert Stack's in it. At the height of his powers. 
As long as we don't hear the unsolved mysteries theme, be all right. No, he's Ultra Magnus. He's Ultra Magnus in the in this movie. Okay. And then there was something else I wanted to to do, but I don't remember now. Oh, and we are gonna have Tim back on because um. I won't spoil that one until we have him on, but I just, it's going to just be, um, I don't know. It's just going to be Matt and I shit stirring. <laughs> Cause I think it's, um, we're pretty much just having him on to crap on the Mandalorian ending, aren't we? Hmm. Um, with Luke. Were we also going to talk about, uh, are we also going to get into the, um, Extended universe, like the old extended universe Star Wars stuff. Yeah, we can do that because uh, I I have a fondness for that. I'm actually reading the um the Marvel comic for Star Wars from like the 70s, the one that was like coming out like as the movies were coming out. Yeah. Which, which fun side fact that went for 107 issues and nothing goes that long anymore. Hmm. I actually have a fondness for the extended universe stuff too, the original extended universe. I have, uh, I have probably like quite a few of the books. I did at some point. But now I feel like I need to actually go back and try and find them. Most of them are on Kindle. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to be like you know, almost like a luddite because I certainly I I have no issues with technology, but I, if I'm reading a book. I want like an actual book. I don't. I don't have space for that stuff anymore, sadly. <clears throat> well, yeah, I don't really have space either. So oftentimes, like I have books, and then I read a book, unless it's like an exceptional book or a book like the, uh, let's say, like the X Men books for the Star Wars, something that it's like I have a fondness for that I want to keep. Like once I read a book, I kind of just like throw it away. I'll get rid mm-hmm. of it. But even so, I actually like reading like an actual physical book. I know I read back in the day. I read I read quite a few of these. There was about a two or three year period where I was super into these, and I read that stupid. What's what's the really bad one, Shad? Do you always know the name? Say it again. What's like the, the what's setup the, for me? What's the infamously bad novel that like takes place between um, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? Uh, are you talking about Splinter in the Mind's in the yes, Mind's Eye? That one. Yeah. Well, I. I read that. That's not the best, but that was kind of like one of the very first. Um, just before they even did like, um, they really went to town and expanded universe. Yeah. With like the Zon books, uh, two that were really bad were like Dark Saber. Yeah. Oh dark my Saber's god! Bad. I don't think I. Oh my god! Court, courtship of Princess Leia oh, was that, also that like bad. really bad. Guys, I, I look. First of all, I'm going to say that. Um, that Darksaber is worse than Courtship of Princess Leia. And then second, um, what is it? Um, Crystal Star is worse than either one of those. Oh, uh, hey, yeah, Crystal I've heard Star that is one. what I was thinking about. Oh, God, it's so bad. It, by the way, Splinter in the Mind's Eye came out in 1978 before Empire came out. So, you know, it was just kind of like, ah! Cash in! Yeah, let's write this thing. We should we should say this. I should probably say this for when Tim comes on. But if uh, have either of you read the the Han Solo trilogy and or the Lando Calrissian trilogy? 
I think I've read the Han Solo one. I don't know about the Lando one. Yeah, I wasn't even aware there was a Lando one until like a few years back, and then I was actually found it at like a used bookstore, and I actually enjoyed both of them. They're not. They're kind of. They're kind of different, and if you if you read a lot of the um, expanded universe stuff, and these books were written like way before that. I mean, they were written kind of like contemporaneously with the Star Wars movies. So it's a different kind of characterization, um, but they're actually pretty good. They're not. They're not bad. I remember in the the <clears throat> late '90s when I was super deep into Star Wars. You could they they released these books, and one was about characters and one was about the starships, and um, it had extended universe and movies like in the books. So like it would have like all the characters from like all the books and like all the different starships and stuff and talk about their history and like their appearances through the various books over the years. Let me see. I'm looking another one that just, Oh my God. Aggravated the hell out of me. There was a series of books that was called the black fleet crisis. Oh yeah. I, I never got past the first one. It was, it was just, atrocious i didn't really we're like really just wasting all of it we should save our no we'll come back to it save our kindle i will i will spout my vitriol again yeah we're pretty vitriolic about covering the same ground over and over again i think my biggest offender was um i think it was one of the first dark horse comics it might have been dark empire or something like that where the emperor comes back and like they totally deus ex machina luke where he has to fall to the sith and come back so he can pick up sith powers so they can beat the emperor and it just like yeah is that yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah that's dark empire yeah that that's one... basically what um that's basically what uh, rise of skywalker was oh yeah it's 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 bad yeah it, it, luke the cover has luke running around in vader's clothes except for the helmet with his green saber it's it's yeah the the worst you know what i love you know, about we're just gonna, gonna sit on EU, it though is once knights of the old republic came out and the old republic became um an era that people wanted to write in it meant that you got to enjoy star wars without a skywalker in sight yeah um some of my favorite star wars books were uh, the tales, tales from Mos Eisley Katina, and tales from Jabba's Palace, because they were stories that didn't directly involve the main storyline. Like they they came up against it, right? Well, some you know, some of them touched it. Like I think um, the Cantina Band from A New Hope, like their story, like kind of like skirted around it a bit. Yeah. Well, they all kind of touched around the. the that one did the bartender story did the tonica sisters story was very loosely tied to it um in java's palace the ranker keeper story was very loosely tied to but you know what they got well for the most part i mean oh my god the the jawa and the um the jawa's tail and then there was the i can't remember what they're called the the rat thing um, there was a, a rat rate. Those those were just oh god atrocious. Um, but uh, 
you know, for the most part, they were just kind of fun, and they didn't, um, you know, they didn't hammer on anything. It was just kind of like, it's like these were just folks who happened to be sitting around in the, uh, you know, sitting around in the cantina in that scene. It's like, wow, that is way, way more fun to read. Yeah, I... Oh, the Ranat, that's what it is. Well, and I liked how, um... I liked how Lucas, if he could, like, in the prequels, he would tie little things back to EU stuff. And he tried to, like... Obviously, his stuff superseded it, but he he did, like... He did, he did more than pay lip service to the idea that everything was canon. Like, I honestly don't... I don't know why Disney killed it all, honestly. That still baffles me. And there's not new money to be made. I mean, they tagged, uh, yeah, but... they tagged it all as legends. It's so stupid. But I mean, their new stuff is bad. Like I, I was listening to a stream. It's worse. It's worse. Like the, and they could have actually incorporated it, or at least in some respects, they could. They didn't have to just completely kill it. Yeah, I, it would not. It would not be hard. Like what I always wanted is if you're gonna do. After the main series, due to the Heir to, Heir to the Empire trilogy, you don't have to do everything that's in. Oh, just just stop and think. Like they didn't have to do it exactly like the books, but imagine how much better. You mean this? The, the new trilogy would have been if they basically loosely followed the Heir to the Empire, and they could have even incorporated the new characters you into mean this. Instead like instead of just blended. having the New Republic roll over to um, the First Order, that. Hey, they're getting their feet wet and they're kind of getting off the ground, and then like their best admiral that was out in the outer system suddenly comes back with his own fleet, and you know he's their best admiral. So, yeah, yeah, that and that was part of part of what I love about Thrawn is the fact that Thrawn is not like oh need a Death Star. Thrawn is information and tactics are the super weapon, and that's what made him so dangerous is that how clever and capable and insightful he was. It was not, Hey, so another Death Star, another Death Star. Cool. Yeah. You know, I don't don't get that with, um, especially the extended, the extended thing, because if you, if you look at it through, not the prequels, but once the empire is like its own thing, like, all they do over and over again, even into the First Order, is they just keep trying to make Death Stars, even though they keep getting blown up. Like, it's kind of asinine when you think about it. it it's it's so lazy. It really is, because, like, because J.J. Abrams is like, hey, guess what's better than a bigger Death Star? Dozens of Death Stars. Yeah, the... Interesting, um... I was I was talking to some friends and doing some reading, and they came up with some sources for me, and I can't cite them. I'd have to go back and bug them for it. That apparently there was an actual arc that was supposed to be planned out for the sequel trilogy. I don't believe it. And then that. after the first one, hang on, after the first one, Abrams was like, "Okay, I've done my part. I I don't want to do. I don't want to be the Star Wars director." And like, okay. And then they got Ryan Johnson, and they gave him. They were like. Ryan, make a great Star Wars movie. We won't bother you at all. And he so he made what he made and just like ditched 
the entire arc that was supposed to be there. He's like, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, I, I don't care what's been set up. I truly and believe... And so Abrams was trying to cram two movies into the last one oh, back if, on if, the original I arc. I truly we're believe having... um, that J.J. Abrams left him notes on what... Um, and, like... In ideas that he could build on, and Ryan Johnson um, trashed all of that. But as far as like having it planned out to the end, like I've seen enough J.J. Abrams stuff to know that he he did not tell us what's in the box. (laughs) If we have Tim on to to complain about Star Wars, I really want to do like an in depth like that dissection of the last Jedi because that movie angered me so much mm. and not even from uh cause people like complain. It's like, yes, like I, I'm an older guy at this point, but I'm not approaching it from a, Oh, you're, you know, you're just an old fan who likes it the old way. Like I'm, I was more than willing to give news, the new stuff a chance. It's like, I cannot stand that movie just from a like logical narrative storytelling perspective there there is there's so much issues with just the narrative storytelling there there is poor character uh, well characterization essentially like there's so many things that are wrong with that film that are that don't even approach upon like what themes that he may have been trying to do with it it's just i it's just a bad piece of storytelling it's like Mm -hmm. so i i i want to rip that apart from an actual like technical storytelling perspective you know what I it, hate it about, infuriates me you know what i especially hate about the disney sequels though is um mm-hmm. just the fact that they don't put any aliens in anything it's all humans yeah well i mean again i could go i could pull my hair out and i could well if we talk about the mandalorian uh season two finale like i could specifically pull my hair out about how like it's you're literally dealing it's established with at least a galaxy and and I don't know if people know what a galaxy is, but there are literally thousands upon thousands of solar systems in a mm-hmm. single galaxy. And that's one galaxy out of multiple galaxies in a universe, just like a quadrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why does everything have to be the fucking Skywalkers? <laughs> And I've complained. I've complained to this uh, again, friend of the show, Damian Gonzalez, the Dames. I've complained where it's like, why does it have to be everything Jedi slash everything Skywalkers? And it's like, I get that they're, I guess the the greater concept heroes of the Star Wars universe. But again, it's like it's to an absurd level. Well, it's you know like, it yeah. was fine for the first six movies. Because they were completing, like, the arc between Anakin and Luke. But, like, in the new movies, like, they did not get away from it. No, but, they did, and it's insane. But there was no, like, hair to the to the throne, but they were still stuck on it. because. Well, and that's that's something we can talk about with Tim, like, with regarding Mandalorian. I, I really, I liked, I still like, I actually like Mandalorian. But what I really got frustrated with at the end of, season two of Mandalorian is that Mandalorian, the thing that Mandalorian was great about is that it stepped away from that. It was like, okay, we're not going to actually discuss, do anything with the Jedi. Um, it's our own story, which basically it was a, it was a space Western that was mixed with essentially like a shameless ripoff of lone wolf and cub, the 
old school manga which, series. Which we talked about. Which that's was, that's actually very um, that's actually very back to the roots for Star Wars because Star Wars is a ripoff of um, a couple Hidden of, Castle. Yeah, yeah. A, a couple I, of Kurosawa films. Yes, uh, which is which for those who are not aware, like there are they are samurai. Uh, movies and Lone Wolf and Cove is about a uh, samurai and his son. Um, so, Karonin, a wandering samurai, and that's kind of like the concept that uh, that Mandalorian had. It was basically like a, a Ronin, a wandering samurai, mm-hmm. uh, and slashed with like westerns. But I mean, it, for those who have seen um, what Fistful of Dollars, like they're literally. Yeah. Uh, Seven Samurai was remade as a Western. Magnificent um, Seven. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Uh, Fistful of Dollars was Yojimbo. Oh, yeah. Fistful of Dollars was Yojimbo. Like, literally, like, Samurai films and Westerns, like American Westerns, have much the same themes to the point that some of the – what's considered some of the greatest Westerns of all time were literally just remakes of classic Samurai films. So – yeah, I think um, uh, I think Kurosawa might be like the most ripped off director in in like United States cinema. He is one of my favorite directors of all time. He is arguably J- Japan's greatest director. He's one of the I in my opinion, he's one of the greatest directors of all time, period. Anyway. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um but yeah, like it it, it was brilliant cuz it was like it was showing the Star Wars universe that was kind of like not it's not we're not dealing with Jedi even though even though like Baby Yoda who I guess isn't really Baby Yoda you know he's, yeah. he has an actual name but Baby Yoda had some Force powers but it wasn't really like a big thing and then they had to shoehorn Jedi stuff into it the seasons two which is like yeah okay man I get I get that that's like your thing but not literally not you literally have established it's like an entire universe that you have. Like you don't need to map. You don't need everything Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. You can have your own. You're doing an Obi Wan series. Like, how about you? Keep, how about you take the Jedi stuff and you just put it there? Or that um that extended universe from like I think the Clone Wars cartoon that Jed that rogue Jedi that they're just obsessed with putting in everything and like protecting her at all costs because she's like one of like the executives like pet um. Pet, yeah, like, that's creation. What, that's which, which why she this? showed up in Mandal- uh, Ahsoka. That's why oh, she really? showed up in the Mandalorian. That's is why because, she's... is because one of the executive producers is the guy that created her and was trying to backdoor pilot a show for her. Yeah, she's that's why like... we had that whole thing. And that's why she. That's why she was somewhere else and did not get killed in like the Great Calling of the Jedi during. Um... Revenge of the Sith. Uh, okay, I mean they. I haven't. I haven't seen all the episodes. I'm literally like one or two episodes into season three of Clone Wars. So th- it's like it ran for five or six seasons. I think they did do. They did do some episodes at the very end that I, I'm aware of, of that did Ahsoka versus like uh, Anakin when he became Darth Vader. So it's like I, I, I'm okay. Like if you want to have her like survive the purge. Like Order sixty six, you want to have her survive because you have some stories you want to tell. Like that's fine, but I don't really want her in Mandalorian. The the, the they're doing a show the prop- or a spinoff for her because, of like I said, of course they are, of course they are because that's I mean that's another thing 
like put a pin in this so we can bitch about it. I can bitch yeah. about it when Tim comes on. Is this like the exact thing that Disney and other companies in Hollywood do? Like they sh- they completely they almost literally a, a franchise, i.e., Star Wars, that you could have said like it's a license to print money. Like it it's a franchise that has persisted for like 40 plus years yeah. and had a rabid fan base and it was a merchandising and, powerhouse until disney yes got a hold and of it. they they literally through their just incredibly poor management and and narrative decisions they almost killed the fucking franchise in like five they literally years. killed a billion plus franchise yeah within like half a decade and it it honestly, it took a guy who's actually talented and actually cared about the the source material and John Favreau to save them with Mandalorian, and they did. They he saved the franchise. Now, a logical thing would have been to like, hey, let's like, let's just chill for a little bit for like three four years, and let Mandalorian do its thing. It's massively popular. It's it, that alone is like a merchandising powerhouse. Baby Yoda has sold I don't know how much merchandise. Like just yeah. go with that. Let it let it go three four five years. People would be into it. It's like no, like they it had one I guess now two successful series. Disney goes, oh okay, let's have a twenty new Star Wars shows slash movies. It's coming your way, guys. It's like. Have y'all not learned your lesson? Like you yeah. are literally saturating the market and the law of averages, guys, like the law of averages, like half of the shit that they're going to push is going to be like mediocre or bad. Probably. Like, I don't even yeah. like what they're I doing can't trust... with, um, with the Marvel shows right now. Like I really dislike that the second WandaVision was over that winter soldier and Falcon started. Uh, I, I was talking to my wife about that. Cause I'm like, Oh, we need to start watching. We just finished like a Wanda. Vision, and I'm like, yeah, we can start watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, that that literally started like a week after WandaVision. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I personally feel look, I don't I don't dislike their strategy. I, they're You're obviously burn moving people away. out, though. Yeah. yeah, probably. But I don't think it's the worst idea. Basically, Basically, with Avengers Endgame, like the whole like original 10, 10 years, eleven years of the continuity that they've established with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, basically ended. So, I I don't mind them taking those characters and then just putting them in like these premium TV shows that have high production values and more concise storytelling. Like I'm okay with that, and then you can focus on the new. Um, you know, big budget movies that and characters that you want to push. Like, I'm okay with that, but I disagree with them doing it back to back. It's like y'all should have. It should be like, you, okay, you have WandaVision, you have Falcon and Winter Soldier, you have Loki, you're gonna have um, Hawkeye. Okay, that's four shows. And really, there's one a fifth of them's one bad. It. You need some time to get like the stink off of it. Off just that. yeah, you, you gotta stop and let let it breathe because if you're just putting out stuff all the time. People are going to get tired. People are going to get bored. And if yeah. you don't give them a chance to look forward to it they and sh- build the anticipation, they should do one a quarter. Yeah, because and the episodes at least. are the, the episodes are not that long. I mean, at most. Well, WandaVision like 10, got longer and, and longer as it went, though. It did, but I mean, they're not. This isn't like 
here's a 65 episode season no. or even like a 20 episode 22 episode season it's like it's max of like 10 episodes no but like um... so you could easily do the 10 episodes that would last like two and a half months then you can give like a couple months break and then you go into the new and it's not like oh yeah uh next week we have the new show it's like you should just dial it back a little bit but like with wandavision i could have used really used a palate cleanser of like a month after that because i really i like the show overall but i feel like they lost faith in their concept and i really did not need like the twist at the end with like agnes and all that stuff like i really could have done without that part of the show I like the show. Um, I did like the show. I, 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 people have complained somewhat about it, and I can kind of understand that. I don't care I that like, like it. I don't care that it didn't shift the meta. I don't need that. Like it could have been what it was, but like I really like the people. Idea I think for... got upset about that. They they thought that it would be like this. They thought some people were honestly like, and that's kind of like the rumor mongering that went on. They were like, oh, in this show, they're going to debut. Uh, who's going to be the meta villain for the next like, you know, years of Marvel movies? He's going to be like the next big bad, like Thanos was. Oh, I didn't and they about did, that. they didn't do that. They didn't do that, and so people got disappointed. When in reality, like WandaVision was basically, it was basically a a prelude or a prequel to what's going to be Doctor Strange two. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff that gets in, introduced in WandaVision that. Uh, for those who are follow the comics, it's like the like Marvel's kind of magic universe, supernatural universe that Doctor Strange is a part of. Like the, the, a lot of the a lot of a lot of things get introduced, characters get introduced that's going to play a part. So that's I was fine and I was fine with that. But see, like I liked I liked it when it was like Darcy and and Monica Rambo and um, some Shield agents trying to figure out how they were gonna gonna like stop this whole thing and then they kind of like brought the agnes part in and then it ended like on a standard superhero fight and i was kind of like you know like i really didn't need like the superhero stuff you guys were doing good the other way it feels like you lost faith in yourself the problem that i the real problem i had was i didn't like how they were portraying the motivations of well i guess it wasn't shield it was sword the sword agent yeah where he's presented as like this villain because oh he just wanted like vision returned as like a weapon it's like um not quite but if you actually stop and think about it and they even like reference this in the show it's like vision is literally if you try to make if you try and make it realistic, which you have to try you have to suspend disbelief and kind of believe like this is supposed to be presented in like a realistic world, like vision would literally be one of the top weapons in the entire universe, yeah. like not universe, but the entire world. It's literally uh, an artificial intelligence that is in an almost like indestructible body that can be just an absolute like the completely destructive force like of course he would want to actually bring vision back online or dismantle him like because he's too powerful and then we're supposed to be like i mean i actually did you do i personally like did the show got really like emotional towards the end so i kind of did feel for the wanda character and my wife even like like shed some tears at the end because it did get emotional but i feel like they kind of wussed out a bit and tried to whitewash a bit what she did at the end kind of yeah but at the same time it's like 
I mean, they did they did whitewash it again. They kind of presented it as like her grief was making her irrational. But you literally had her enslave an entire town full of people. And when when they were the the rare times that a character like Vision actually freed them from the mind control, like they literally were like so upset and terrified that they wanted someone to die, or some people were just like, oh my god, my daughter, like my daughter it, thinks I'm. She doesn't know what's happening to me. You need to contact. Let's just let my daughter know I'm okay. It's like really dark shit like that. And mm-hmm. and they kind of shied and, away from like, I feel like. Oh, because it would, it would present Wanda as like kind of a monster. And, and they, they do kind of whitewash that where it's like, well, yeah, maybe she was like out of her head. And, because And I really her. hated like when Monica Rambo is like, they'll never know what you gave up for them. It's like, fuck you. It, yeah, <laughs> it's like you never know what you gave up. And like she did give up a lot, but. But she it's also like well, she's people for she li- yeah she literally enslaved an entire town, and so I think maybe like it's at a minimum like <laughs> it's it's we're at least equal okay and we then, we shouldn't and do yeah, didn't there you go and well they didn't sleep for months because like she was like projecting her nightmares off of herself into all of them every night, <clears throat> according to that one scene towards the end. That's, and even what she did to Agnes was really fucked up at the end. Like honestly, if we're if we're being really honest here. Well, Agnes, uh, spoiler for fans, like Agnes didn't die, so it's possible we could see her again. Um, but Agnes, I mean, Agnes was kind of presented as like this villain manipulating things when she didn't. She wasn't really manipulating things. No. And she, and what was her like big sin that she wanted to take Wanda's powers? Like it was. It was kind of established like that was like Agnes's thing. Yeah, because Ag- well, Ag- Agatha's thing. Agatha, yeah. Why do I keep calling her Agnes? I don't know. Agatha, sorry. Because well, she was Agnes as the yeah, neighbor right. before she revealed herself. But why? Yeah, of, like oh, Sword wanted to to kill Wanda. Yeah, like yeah, she established that she had she had the the telekinetic and psychic power to literally enslave an entire town and make them believe whatever delusion she came up with. Like that is scary as that's fuck. like you know that's it's the like it's the Amanda level threat. It's the Amanda Waller thing from the Justice League cartoon mm-hmm. when I think Batman was getting all like bent out of shape with her about Cadmus, <clears throat> and she like went on this whole rant, and you were I don't think you were necessarily I think you were I think it. I think it was supposed to hit close enough to home because you were supposed to agree with her, but it was like it was like you know what Amanda Waller like you're fucking right like. They are like, what if you're, they do go rogue? Like, you guys should like be. Should you be, are right to be concerned. Yeah. yeah. To to like take it to uh kind of like an internet um, an internet uh I don't know not meme but kind of internet thing uh the SCP uh Wanda is a Keter level threat, like she is yeah insane like ridiculously dangerous. You know you know what like, she would be like There's world in, level. Um, like yeah, literally I mean, every every government that has any sort of sufficient power to uh, keep tabs on things should be like keeping tabs on her every movement, just because you if she went off like it th- she could be like world level threat. Well, and it's the, remember uh, um remember towards the end of um oh, what was that was it True Blood? Don't know. What was that one with um Rogue from the? You know it was basically. Well, Rogue was- the Sookie Stackhouse books. Yeah. Is that True Blood. True Blood. Um, it kind of goes along with... Did you with... watch that show? Uh, my wife did. 
My wife did too, and oh my god, I hated that show. But um, <laughs> but like it goes back to that show though. When towards the end of that, they were getting into like really big. Like the creators <laughs> wanted to push um, the vampires as like an allegory for LB DTQ TQ problems. And a lot of people rightfully pointed out the time, and it comes back to like the Cadmus stuff and the Wanda thing, where it's like, that's a really shitty allegory because LBGTQ people are not blood sucking vampires that feed on you and kill you. So, no, your allegory sucks because yeah. well, they're not that's... fucking monsters. They're just normal people, and you're using monsters to try and make a point of people that aren't monsters. Like, so your allegory sucks. Look, I mean, I, I, I will always appreciate what stan lee did with the x-men and with mutants in general in the marvel universe to to make make them as an allegory of like racial minorities and then it was kind of eventually changed into a kind of a sexual orientation that type of thing and they're a bad representation uh, of it too because same thing yeah that i i appreciate that i think it was a good message an important message and literally an entire generation of people like grew up and maybe that maybe that did help in its own little way kind of promote like equality but it's also it's a bad analogy because we're supposed to sympathize with the mutants they could blow your house up because they can't control their powers be like upset at the persecution they suffer but and if you actually think from a pragmatic perspective like to even take like i'll use cyclops as an example it's like, why shouldn't I be worried as fuck about this guy who, if he wants to, can literally look at me and blow the top of my head off with an energy projection that he can shoot out of his fucking well, eyes? I remember. Like, you would, you would, like, maybe you don't want to oppress him, but you would not treat him as like, oh, yeah, we're cool. Like, I don't have any concerns about you. It's like, no, he is literally a living weapon. Or, and he is not even, like, close to, to the power level of some Yeah, mutants, but remember, like, know? remember how Civil War started and you were supposed to side with Cap and the people that didn't want to register with the government? But that series literally started with the New Warriors taking on a villain they couldn't handle and an, an entire school full of children got nuked by hundreds of people civilians died yeah because they took on like this uh, nuclear level villain that blew up while they were fighting him i mean yeah the civil war is a really that's kind of like a that's a polarizing storyline partly because like that that came out during like the bush era yeah and, but and, yeah. and the writers the writers could not actually most of the writers of that could not put their politics aside to crossover yeah could not actually do given uh, that civil war it, at its inception was presented as we're gonna have both sides be equally valid and then it's like oh by the way episode two concentration camps well, but, like, yeah there was, good god and but see the problem with that was there was a great side issue with cap and iron man confronting each other in like the ruins of the mansion and it showed why iron man was right because iron man's like look man like i was a fucking alcoholic you didn't think i wasn't flying this thing drunk like where was the accountability for me dude like that's why they that's why we need to do this yeah i, I yeah they couldn't most of the writers of that um that crossover that big event series like couldn't they couldn't set aside their own personal politics to present a more nuanced view there is a nuanced view to it like you could you would have had to have taken essentially like a libertarian type perspective where like the cap the cap era like that that the anti-registration act 
should have been more like, look, like you don't, you shouldn't want the government involved in deciding. Like it shouldn't be like state sponsored superheroes because that can cause its own issues. And he could have even taken the perspective as like, look, I fought the Nazis. Like you don't want government control over essentially like weapons. Yeah, super, it's like superhuman weapons. And he could have gone into like, like they description and stuff like that. They could have done that, and that could have been really compelling. They didn't really do that. But otherwise, like, the Iron Man side was basically right because I agree with you. It's like you literally have people who are, like, complete, absolute, like, weapons. Like, and there are billions of dollars of damage that's not – that. The... If Yeah, I mean, again, I know it's superhero stories. Like, it's not real. You're supposed to suspend disbelief. But if you take, for example – I know he's, like, one of the – He's established as one of the most powerful, so he's not the best example, perhaps. But if you take someone like the Hulk, like Hulk would be almost an un- – if you take the Hulk, like you have no other superheroes. You just take the Hulk and you, let's say the Hulk is real, okay, and you put him into like our world, the Hulk would be almost unstoppable and cause absolutely like Godzilla-level destru- <laughs> destruction if he was just unleashed and yeah, it's there, ridiculous. So if you have someone like that, go ahead. Um, I I was gonna say the they kind of they jumped on that in um, Valiant. They referred to him the people that were at the top end of the scale as Omega level. Yeah, but it was the I you know the scary thing about that one was that a lot of you had the Omega one of the Omega levels was running this giant corporation Oh, um, and so he was trying to it was Toyo uh, Harada yeah was trying to keep everything under his thumb whereas the government looked around they're like whoa things have got like uh, they tried to have a working relationship with Exo Manowar and then they built their own they built the hardcore, which they were able to duplicate some superhuman abilities. So the idea was, okay, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to get in the game because someone's got, you know, someone's got to try and be a, uh, counterbalance. Someone's got to try and try and be a balance or a check on this. But the thing that I think pissed me off most about civil war is they, it felt like they went out of their way to make the pro reg side like monsters you have this whole big fight happening thor who has been absent shows up well it turns out that reed richards the dick on the pro reg side made a clone of thor oh yeah just to try and it's like ragnarok right yeah he made this thor clone in order to show up and be like and and you know tear through the other side it's like no wait a minute what what are what are you doing you're, it, it feels like that this is a device you came up with not as an effort to tip the scales, but like it's like Reed Richards being like, well, if we can't have Thor, then I'll just clone him. No one will figure that out in a world of people who can you know read minds. And then all it does is make him you know make make his side look worse. So, uh, yeah, Civil War was terrible. It, well, it 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 could have been it could have been so and good. You know what I find ironic about the politics of some of the writers that were um, writing that is, if you wanted to own a gun, oh well, like that's bad. You know, just a personal firearm that could not, in fact, blow up an entire school full of people, or you know, blow up an entire city block with one you know, 
click of a button. But for some reason, like, you're not supposed to wedge register living weapons when, you know, like, a lesser weapon you're supposed to. Like, I don't... Like, you know, like, the... the the mentality and the arguments online at the time never made sense to me because like it was very contradictory and hypocritical. Yeah. It's like you have to register to drive a car, which is a moving weapon in and of itself. Like, so we would really be cool with these supernatural beings. And I'm not saying like the concentration camp stuff and all that, like I think would be a legitimate concern eventually, but like, I don't I don't think people that were thinking like oh I'd be all honky dory with this like are being honest with themselves because it would be scary as hell mm-hmm. especially like some of like the like because you you have to think like think about like let's let's even use like a lower level super bout how many millions of dollars of damage do you think happens every time Rhino gets a bug up his butt and Spider-Man has to go mm-hmm. catch him Oh, a lot. And who's paying yeah. for that? Like, what? Who's paying for? Who's paying for your business if Spider-Man goes crashing through your window and then just fucks off to whatever it is he does? Oh, that brings up uh, a huge hole that I had from Incredibles Two, the very opening of it. They say to them, it's like, no, we didn't want you to be involved. We didn't want you to do anything. There was insurance to cover the fact that the under. Uh, Oh, God, not Underwriter. Uh, I can't remember what his name was, but the fact that he, like, stole and robbed a bank. It's like, no, there's insurance for that. And it's like, you have got to be kidding. Hey, wouldn't have... You, you're seriously good. There's no way they're going to write policies on banks anymore. The FDIC yeah. won't insure them anymore. No, you don't. Are you out of your mind? You don't. No, because, um, okay. So do you guys want some boring insurance talk? For a second. Sure. So <laughs> most insurance policies do not cover things like man-made disasters like acts of war. So in that instance, like that would probably not be covered because it would be an exception on your policy, probably under man-made disaster, which would probably be fall under the subheader of being like an act of war. So like if if um if Russia nuked your town tomorrow and you somehow survived but your car didn't, your insurance company is probably not going to foot the bill for you. So, and what's also stupid about that, though, is Mr. Incredible would know that because he worked as an insurance agent and a claims broker. He would know policy details about that stuff. And he would be able to say, no, there's not insurance for it. And they're going to go, how do you know? He goes, I know. There's not insurance. That that bugged me. Because all of his his people were – were his boss got mad because they were were infiltrating the bureaucracy. Yeah. They knew the esoteric ways to get claims paid out. Actually, you know, but, that movie brilliantly they should have they should have gotten the writers from that to do Civil War because they actually came up with a really smart way to take superheroes off the, the table by bringing civil liability into the Yeah into the equation. Because that, mm-hmm. that was actually it, really clever and I'm surprised the comic book companies never had the um the wherewithal to steal that. I think they touched on trying to sue Superman once. That Daredevil kind of did it when Matt Murdock was doing like the they publicly denying being Daredevil, but then he lost his license because they figured out he was Daredevil. So I think they kind of touched on it a bit. Yeah, but they haven't. Yeah. Ever... 
Yeah, they they haven't gotten that to stick because, well, with some people, it's like, who who are you gonna? You're not gonna catch up to Batman to serve him for his summons, right? Like that's that's just not gonna happen. And then you're not you're probably not gonna catch up to a bunch of people to do it. Um, I mean, you know the secret identities but, of like the Flash and stuff, though. I mean, like when Wally West was the Flash, you knew who he was. Yeah, and um. I'm trying to think of other people who are public. Well, the Fantastic Four public. I mean, people know Johnny That's Storm true. is. Yeah. I think. I think Iron Man essentially would know who he was. But it's it's um like it's a it it's an interesting wrinkle to put to it. But like in the Incredibles universe, it's far easier to catch up to most of the with the well-known superheroes as opposed mm-hmm. to Superman, right? Like he can he, he hears the camera shutters going off so he moves his face so the picture blurs and they can't get a clear picture. Good luck showing up with a summons for Superman, but you know, it running down Mr. Incredible is a sight easier. Um but anyway, that's <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten pretty far in the weeds. Can I, can I just add like one final thought to the, I yeah. guess the pro registration, <laughs> why it would make sense. Uh, I was just reminded, I, I looked it up. I was reminded of, um, do you guys read the Avengers, Avengers, the initiative? That was a good comic. Any of that? Oh. It was a good comic, but um, the, the premise of the comic was uh, kind of young um, superheroes who, either like just had their powers they're kind of starting out but they in with regards to the super, that. yes with regards to like the super um the registra- the superhuman registration act like they basically were brought and trained supposed to be trained by avengers um to kind of you know utilize their powers become heroes but there was one character on that that stands out to me it's like this is a great example as to why you would want uh, Superhuman Registration Act, Cloud Nine. You remember that character? Vaguely. She had what sounds like the most benign powers. Like she uh, was use a cloud, alien gas. So basically, she could create clouds, which doesn't sound like well, that sounds like a stupid power. Uh, except it's like, what could she do with the clouds? Well, she could like basically sit on the cloud and fly with it. Um, to the point where she could literally um, outmaneuver F-16 fighter jets. Uh, she could also use the cloud. The cloud she could generate. She could use it to suffocate people by forcing it down their throats. Um, she could use it as uh, like a mist, which could you know uh, obfuscate her location, so people couldn't actually see her in the cloud. What they actually had her do as part of the initiative is she became a sniper. It's like you literally could have a character that could generate a cloud, float up on the cloud, like way up high in the sky, use her sniper rifle to just pick off anyone she fucking wants to, and then fly, literally fly away at, you know, super speed once she's actually eliminated her target. Like, that's absolutely insane yeah. you have a you would have a superpower assassin who even if you do confront her she could use her gas to like ram it down your throat and kill you like that is it just it sounds like a stupid power and suddenly this one character is an absolute like lethal threat 
So yeah, like if you had someone like that in real life, like you would want the, the government would want, would want to keep tabs on her. Like of she literally could take would. she could assassinate like presidents and world leaders if she wanted to or was paid enough. It's Look, it's like Storm in the X-Men. She like had winds blow up and threw lightning, but the thing the most common sh- stuff she did was pretty small scale. There was uh oh my gosh, I'm going way far back. There was a book I read way years ago that was it was kind of a contemporary sci-fi book called Weather War about this there was this guy the scientist who worked for the government that made a machine that would manipulate the weather. So what was he trying to do? He made it in the Vietnam War era. His effort was he tried to rain out like the North Vietnamese. He tried to like drown all their crops, rain out the Ho Chi Minh Trail, that sort of stuff, basically to just cut their supply lines and all that kind of thing. How hard do you think it would be for Storm to just wreck the 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 supply chain for a given country? She just hustles off somewhere and she's like, Oh, hey, uh, I see you're growing lots of corn. Not anymore. Now it's all washed away in this crazy rainstorm. Well, and you know, and even like, even though in her origins, though, because if you if you read Giant Size X Men number one, like she's essentially revered as a goddess in in parts of Africa, and right, right. Um, all you would need is for, for her to not have a benevolent take on that, and to just be giving people beneficial weather effects for some food, and instead, you know, turn that into hey. Those crops over there, it'd be a real shame if, uh... And protection, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or even, like, but, I mean, like, it's just, like, guys like Pyro, Iceman, um, even, like, Mystique. I mean, look at all the trouble Mystique Mystique has caused over the years. (laughs) That's the best super spy you can have. Or even, like, Rogue. Or, like, think about Morbius. But or even Spider-Man, like Spider-Man had some dark days. Remember, he turned into a giant spider creature at some point. Oh, that's right, isn't it? When he grew the extra arms and then he turned into the man spider. The point is, Civil War was done badly. (laughs) No, and I think I think I think what I'm I'm ashamed of there is I think I think I think the pro registration side was ultimately right. But I think they really because people cannot get over their own personal politics, I think there could have been a really great story that showed um, the pitfalls of both sides, but the benefits of both sides too. Like, I think Matt's right. Like with that, that lit the, the cap side being more libertarian of, Hey, do you really want the government involved in this? Um, Yeah. And if you also, if you want to take like modern, modern politics into it like it it could have been a a mix of like libertarian kind of arguments slash like anti-fascist arguments because cap could have made better than anyone a legitimate case where it's like look you do not want state sanctioned or state sponsored superhumans like that that could go down a really bad path for a lot of different reasons and he could have they could have really explored all of that and they didn't they just they were trying to make like uh, a Bush era analog, like War on Terror slash 
you know, Guantanamo Bay type of thing. And it's like, uh, it, it, again, like, I'm not trying to get into the politics of it. It's really just more like, I, I get frustrated with things from a narrative storytelling perspective. Yeah. Where it's like, you, you could have done a lot more from a narrative perspective and you didn't. And that frustrates me because I think it could have had a really compelling, and, and you could have, it was, it would have been, I would say relatively easy, but you could have you could have made an effort to make it like a really thought provoking storyline where you're also like kind of going like, well, like you said, Brad, like, well, I can see I can see the rationale of both sides. And that would have been way more like thought provoking and memorable in a positive way as a storyline. You could have thought like, wow, that's the classic storyline that they've done because you, you saw the shades of gray of everything. Yeah, there, I would have done it, like I would, but see, like I would have done like I would have done like a book that was just like straight up like pro government like propaganda. I don't know what character I'd use for that. Like just do like a total like maybe like a six issue mini that's just total like pro registration propaganda, and then do like the front line thing, which they did do like do that like as the counterbalance. Like you could have really done some cool like stuff in there. It's it goes back to what I what aggravates me so much about WWE stuff is it's, it's wasted potential. There's so much good stuff that could come out of the idea that they didn't do. They just pissed it away, and so I'm I'm angry by the fact that it could have been so good and it wasn't. Because I think but, um I think a book that handles politics really well is um Transmetropolitan. I've heard people say good things about it, but it's very um, the the main character is very left wing, and um, he goes on these very left wing rants and stuff. And he's very much a case of um, well, whether you disagree or disagree with him, he's more of a you're not wrong, Spider Jerusalem. You're just an asshole, which really counterbalances like the politics of it well because he's just such an unrepentant like scumbag. Okay. So, but like, um, I like stuff like that. Like, but I don't know that they just. It felt like with Civil War that they they gave it a very. They gave very much lip service to Iron Man's side instead of them just being the villains. Yeah, it was supposed to be a, a like, who's right question. Like from the beginning, it was supposed to be like, oh, it could be, it could be one or the other. It's up to how you interpret and, it. By the way, it's it's this one, and it should have been it's just this one. And it very did it did those subtle like emotional manipulations that I hate and things like I hate when, I hate when I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use like a, a comparison. I hate when a video game gives you like five or six romantic options throughout the game. But they do those subtle emotional manipulations to point you at the character that your air quotations like really supposed to pick. Oh yeah. And um, it felt like that's what they were doing in the book. Whereas I really kind of wish they could have open ended it more. And I don't think it would have been that hard and just let you kind of decide what you thought yourself. And even um, even maybe like leave it open so you could say you know what like I think both sides have their points and their flaws but they're both wrong in how they're handling it like i wish they could have really left it open-ended for the reader and like 
maybe left it more up to debate between people instead of everyone being like, well, this is why the narrative struggled. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to put a cap on it here. Um, we started with Darkwing, and then we just kind of went all over the place. So Civil War is like uh, a, Civil War is a, a storyline that I really have a lot of strong feelings for because I feel like I feel like they're like the start of it was really good, and like I was super into it, and then they just did not fulfill their the potential of the of the original idea. It's like. Um... Oh, now I'm not going to remember his name. It's like the one character in Overwatch. Such potential. But then we don't we don't get that. So I don't speak Overwatch. All right. so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Everybody out there, we want to say thank you again for joining us for this episode. We would love to hear from you on our social media. Uh, just a reminder, we have, uh, you know, our Four Corners uh, code and our Redbubble store. But. More than anything, thank you for listening with us. We do request if you submit them, so feel free to send them in through any of our social media platforms. And so, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.